Welcome to Knit British, the podcast that explores all the connections of Britishness in wool, fibre and knitting. On this journey, meeting all of the people involved, from sheep to skein, I am your host, Louise Scully. Knit British and love local wool. Knit British is utterly spoiled at being sponsored by our woolly mucker, Maylin Scott. AKA Blythe Spirit on Ravelry, Maylin is a really wonderful knitter. She loves texture and colour and British wool. She's currently knitting the next year in Lerwick sweater by Tori Seierstadt to wear on her upcoming trip to Shetland. Listen in to our chat later in the show as we talk about British wool, haps and much more. Thank you, Maylin, for sponsoring the Knit British podcast. Hello, how are you? It's a lovely to be here with you. Uh, thanks so much for your feedback since the last episode, uh, particularly the good chats uh, I've had on social media and on email and things on clear labelling, which I talked about last time. It is very clear that it's important to so many of us what goes on the label of our yarn. And I'm going to come back to this and address some other questions that have come up since that podcast uh, that kind of go beyond my own personal pledge not to review yarn that can't answer questions about information on content or origin. Things like uh, the fact that because the British Wool Market Board don't categorise all wool by breed, more often by handle or colour, then some people who want to buy wool to make yarn, don't actually know which breeds are going into their yarn. And yes, there are other issues to talk about and also, of course, benefits to clear labelling. But suffice to say, Knit British has always been about supporting small wool producers, small wool businesses, championing those people and to review as much of that kind of yarn as possible. So, If the information is not available at that grassroots level, there's little hope for the bigger picture. Again, ask questions. Keep asking questions. There's nothing wrong with challenging the information that's there to find out more about the wool that you want to buy and craft with. Right, let's get on with this episode. Uh, Lots to talk about. Grab a whip, grab a drink and let's get cracking. I was in Leeds on Saturday for Leeds Wool Fest and what a lovely event there at Leeds Industrial Mill. I got on an early train along with Jenny Reid and Lilith Green uh, from Edinburgh about seven o'clock and we rocked up in Leeds and it was a really great day. We soaked up a bit of history, a bit of sun, a lot of wool, a lot of lovely company, perhaps partook of some wonderful cake too. <laughs> In a lot of ways, I feel that I kind of need to go back and really take in the history of the mill a bit more. I'd hoped that there was going to be a tour that um, I could jump on on the day, but I guess that might not have been possible just with the sheer amount of people that were there and the yarn vendors and things. 
So I kind of want to go back and learn a little bit more about what it was like to to work in the mill and a little bit more about the history. But seeing as I'm a lovely podcaster, I thought I might give you a very potted history of Armley Mills. And this information is all available from the Leeds Industrial Museum website. You can have a look there. It's situated on the south bank of the River Ayr at Leeds. And Armley Mills apparently dates to the middle of the 16th century, where it was described as a fooling mill first. And by 1788, the mills had been expanded and equipped with five water wheels and 18 fooling stocks, which is equipment to beat the cloth with. Basically, bundles of cloth were soaked in water and a clay known as fuller's earth and urine, which was collected from the neighbouring area. Your urine was specifically saved, helped with the um, cloth production at Armley Mills. Savoury. Thankfully, the neighbours of of, uh, Armand Mills don't have to do that now. At least I don't think they do. Anyway, these bundles of cloth that were soaked in all of this were then put through the stocks and large hammers beat the cloth. The mill was bought by Thomas Lloyd in 1788 and he was a, a cloth merchant from Leeds and he further expanded the mill and that's when we hear of it being called the world's largest woolen mill. That is quite something, isn't it? The world's largest woolen mill. And being situated on what was then the new Leeds-Liverpool Canal doubtlessly helped with the transportation of textiles made at the mill to Liverpool and then the world and then, of course, the raw material uh, and coal um, coming back to the mill again. In the early 1800s, the mills were sold to Benjamin Gott and he was quite a leading figure in uh, textiles in the Industrial Revolution. He was really interested in experimenting with wool production, steam power, power looms, things like that. But when he bought Armley Mills, he actually, it had actually just burned down. Um, early mills were proper fire hazards because fibre could ignite and they were all made of wood and um, basically burnt like a haystack. So from the ruins, he rebuilt Armley Mills. He took fireproofing methods, he used cast iron um, internally throughout and that's really those measures that he took are really why the mill survives today and now has a grade two listed status. So the buildings at the mill, which are uh, principally from the rebuild in 1805, the the mill is an L-shaped building and it varies at different places from four storeys to two due to the incline that it's built on. It maintained the status as the largest mill in the world when it reopened in 1805. Uh, It had then 18 fooling stocks, 50 looms, uh, and they were powered by two metal suspension wheels Uh, which were 70 horsepower. By 1850, the mills were running uh, on steam engine to supplement the wheels. Gott had died in 1840, but the mills were taken over by his son. By the end of the 19th century, though, the mills had had several different tenants, but by the 70s, it was facing loss in the markets, the increase of competition from abroad, the increase of man-made fibres, things like that. So the mills finally closed, but thankfully... Uh, Leeds Council bought the buildings in the early 80s and they continue to promote 
um, the buildings and maintain them for the historic importance um, of uh, the mill and of the textile heritage in Leeds. And it really is an awesome place to visit. The museum is open Tuesdays to Sundays. It only costs £3.80 to get in, which is really, 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 really cheap because you could spend a long time there, a good portion of your day there. Um, I could be a lot more than that, I think. Um, you can visit restored workers' cottages. You can see the working wheel and factory machinery. There's a 1920 cinema, which I didn't actually get into to see. Um, they were showing Yarn, the movie there. And they also had a singer and storyteller in there, but I didn't get in there, uh, unfortunately. There's also an exhibit opening on women, work and war. There's a great wee cafe. There's lovely outside areas to enjoy. Such a good trip, well worth the trip. And I will definitely be going back to Armley Mills to get a bit of a have a bit of a further nosy around there. You can find out more information at leeds.gov.uk. And if you can get to Leeds Wool Festival next time, uh, next June, hopefully they'll have another one. I heartily recommend it. It was, when you think about wool festivals, it's obviously not a Marts type affair. It's not an Edinburgh Yarn Festival type affair. But what it is, about 20 vendors, huge mixture um, Sylvan Tiger, the Knitting Goddess, Eden Cottage Yarns, Baram Yu were there, Phileas Yarns were there, Phileas Yarns had some incredible um, new colours by the way, <clears throat> totally segued there. Um, there was um, a book stall, there was cloth remnants, there was such a lot to see. Freya Lynn um, was there with her incredible hand-dyed fibre and spun yarn and you know a really lovely little mixture but of, of vendors, but it was just really laid back, quite chatty. It was lovely spending time sitting out in the picnic area uh, and uh, in the cottage garden uh, where the, I think it was the Women's Institute, were serving cream teas. They were just divine. Just lovely to um, sit and chat with people and, you know, sometimes I can feel a little bit of anxiety about going to, to wool events and, there was no anxiety at all, which is lovely. Really nice and laid back. And, of course, the sun was out, so that helped too. In fact, I think we all got a little bit too much sun um, in some cases. Someone that I was excited to see at Leeds to chat to for the podcast was Maylin Scott, who is our knit British woolly mucker for this month. And it was so lovely to chat to her and ask her the Wooly Mucker questionnaire. I have to say it was just really nice to have a, a period of time to chat to Maylin because quite often we always just see each other in the passing at things like Edinburgh Yarn Festival or, or things like that and it's just a quick hello or you know wave across the room like it is with so many people when you you know you want to chat with them but you just don't have you know either can't get across the room to them or they're going to a class or you're going somewhere so it was really nice to sit down um, and have a chat with her. I set about asking her our woolly mucker questionnaire what was the first item you remember knitting and the last thing you cast off and number two being if there is a yarn and a pattern not necessarily to be used together but a yarn and a pattern that you feel that you feel needs to be passed on for others to enjoy what are they and what makes them so special i never quite get to the end of that question in any of these a woolly mucker interviews we've done so far but you get the picture but before we really got talking about that we got embroiled chatting about Malin's forthcoming trip to Shetland 
with a bunch of almost absolute strangers. So, hello, Mucker. Hello. <laughs> it's so lovely that we were able to do this. Yeah. Nice. Oh, this is fantastic. So yeah, well, I was, I was hoping, actually, when you said you were coming to Leeds World Festival, I thought, oh, would that be enough time, you know? Yeah, it's <laughs> so awesome. Great. And yeah. we're sitting out here, there yeah. are alpacas, and it's very lush and lovely. It's and the perfect summer day. It is. It's really, really lovely. So, it's awesome that you're here. What are you working on just now? What am I working on just now? What am I not working on just now? <laughs> I am working on the big project that I've got to get done this summer is my next year in Lurwick jumper because yes. <laughs> I'm going but to Shetland in August <laughs> yes yeah. and it's beautiful and I love the colors I've chosen and I am using Daughter of a Shepherd Hebridean as the main background color which is it that brown that we, you just, know all about this yeah. this chocolate brown is just the perfect the most, backdrop to all yeah. the JNS colors yeah. that are and I'm using very sort of dark muted colors and they are just popping against that Hebridean and I just absolutely love it so I'm I'm past the halfway point in the body it's top down so it's the rest of the body and then the sleeves which are always my uh, downfall but yeah I think I think it's doable if there's a heat wave in Shetland I'm going to be really upset yeah when is it you go August (laughs) yes I can't wait and as I said I'm going with seven knitters a few of us now two of them have already knit that sweater I think another one's in the process of it I think it'll be five of us will have that sweater hopefully um, one's turned it into a vest um so yeah yeah and it'll be really exciting to see all how all our different and it colors. might be quite good to talk about that as well because mm. you you're going with a whole bunch of people that you don't really know never met any of them i've, I've subsequently met three of them at edinburgh yarn festival they're mm. lovely no one's a serial killer as far as i can see <laughs> no this it was such a fantastic i mean this is this is the beauty of ravelry um we were, we're in this group and and you know we're very chatting we, we've known each other for years now I think through Kate Davies group and now Jen Arnifel Culliford's group and they're just really lovely lovely people and we were talking about Shetland World Week and a number of us can't go during that time for various reasons and can't get time off and so forth and then it was well (laughs) it was all Kate Davies fault really because she put this blog post when she was when her book Shetland U was coming out and uh, talked about this guy named Andy from Global Yell who organizes these trips and sent a link and within honestly two days Alex our fearless leader had said right okay I've, I've emailed Andy, you know, you need eight people. Can we confirm this is the date? Boom. You know, who's, who's in? Eight of us immediately jumped, paid our deposits. And within two days, we're all like, oh, my God, we're going to Shetland in August. Wonderful. So I think in all, I think I'm there for 10 days, actually. I'm going to do some hiking. I'm gonna do, and we're going to do a lot of knitting. Good. A lot of knitting. This is the thing I love, though. Mm. Isn't this the thing about taking a tight-knit online community mm-hmm. that you have known for years and you feel so safe in that online space and then you take that into physical Absolutely. Place. I mean, you know, we, we tell our, you know, children and stuff, don't do this. Don't yeah. go out and <laughs> somehow with knitters. I know. It, it's fine. With yeah. knit, are they a knitter? Okay, yeah. it's fine. Well, you several can... of them have children. I, I don't have any children, but some of them do and, and they're, you know, they've reported their children sort of saying, what? What are you doing? <laughs> You're going off on a trip with complete strangers? <gasps> yes, but they're knitters. It's fine. <laughs> we've, we've seen the project pages. They're not, uh, yeah, yeah we, they we know. really it's, are knitters it's, it's and, so um, Honestly, the, the, the thought of 10 days of just non-stop knitting without anyone saying, oh, you know, go make tea or, yeah. oh, you know, why are you knitting or can't you stop? Put those needles down, you know, just with just people who roll. are quite happy to knit through meals, yeah. through bedtime, in your slippers, you know, whatever. Yeah. It'll be fantastic. Be I can't wait. 
Lovely. It'd be yeah. so nice. And it also goes to show that you don't have to, although Shetland Wool Week is wonderful, and I always say if you can go, go. Mm. But there's there's so much to see and do, and lots of really places out oh, of the God. World Week. Within, I think within one day, one of the uh, one of the women I'm going with had, had already posted, you know, she'd bought five ordnance maps. I mean, you know. <laughs> one set of islands yeah. and you need five yes, maps. Yes, I know. I know. It's, <laughs> but, you know, someone's really interested in the archaeology, and other persons, I'm really just interested in hiking and the coastal yeah. landscapes and so and forth. Wool. We're all, of course, interested in the wool. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to have a great have a it's great, great time. And we're coming from all over the world. This is the fantastic thing. Someone coming from Singapore, someone coming from Vancouver, someone coming from Belgium, and the rest of us are from the UK, but scattered all around yeah. the UK. And um, none of us had been to Shetland before. That's it's going to be brilliant. It's uh, yeah, be so yeah, yeah. Right, let's, let's yes. get to our yes. questionnaire. Okay. So there's the two questions. Yeah. And the first one is oh, what is the first one? First thing you cast on. The first thing you cast on, thank you. Yes. And the, and the last thing you cast off, which is basically your entire knitting history today. I know. And I was sitting there thinking, now, my grandmother taught me to knit when I was very, very young. Not a million miles from where we're sitting at the moment. Wow. I'll talk about that later. But, you know, to be honest, I cannot remember because she taught me when I was about seven and then I, you know, knitted probably a few. It was probably a garter stitch scarf or a garter stitch square for my doll um, was probably the first thing I knitted. But when I was thinking about this question, I thought, you know what, if you don't mind, I'm going to talk about the first thing that I knitted that got me really, really excited. It's actually the first pattern I purchased from Ravelry, because to me, that's the beginning of me as being a knitter. And I was lucky that when I picked up knitting again, sort of in my um, late 20s and 30s, I had a colleague who was just an amazing knitter, and she would always take her knitting out during lunch breaks. And I thought, oh, I've got to get back into it. And it was just when Ravelry was really starting to get you know, big and, and so forth. And she was the one who told me about Ravelry and I just thought, wow, this this explosion of patterns. Anyways, I so remember bought, the first pattern I ever bought from Ravelry was Color Affection, that shawl from oh. Vera Valimaki. And it was it was at the time when everyone seemed to be knitting a color affection. But the idea that you could go in, pick three colors, and it was so funny, every time I went to wool shop and anyone was holding three colors, the, the yeah. shop owners were like, You're 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 doing color affection, aren't you? And it was just it it was one of those things that just it just exploded. I, I can't think of a pattern that and I think because of social media and everything that was going out, it really was probably one of the very few patterns that went viral around the yeah. world. And so then you immediately felt part of a community because you could look and see what other people were doing. Oh my God, that color combination. Oh my God, this. And then get help with the short rows and all that stuff. And I remember being so proud of the shawl. I knitted three in a row. I just was wow. so excited. Yeah. So that was definitely the first pattern. And then I was like, oh, I'm on Ravelry incessantly. It's, it's embarrassing how long i Can you remember what you knit? The, which rules I did. Knit well, I didn't knit it in wool. I knitted it in hemp. Oh my goodness. Yes, there was a great, I was living in Toronto at the time, and there's a great shop called Romney Wools, which every Torontonian, every Canadian will know about it. It's a mecca for, for knitters. It just has everything. And um, yeah, and they had this hemp, and uh, I knitted it in a very sort of pale yellow, gray, and white, a kind of creamy white. And I still have the shawl, still wear it, because hemp, it just, it, it lasts. It's like linen, yeah. but it's softer, and it just, um, I mean, the top I'm wearing now, the, which, which the um, obviously you can't see, I'm wearing the bonnie, knitted out of hemp as well. And, um, you know, this thing has been through the wash, I don't know how many times. It's probably about six or seven years old, and uh, it still feels it's like awesome. new. Yeah. yeah. And it just it gets, it, like linen, gets softer yeah. and softer as you wash it. So, yeah. And then the next one I knitted with some probably alpaca, I think. Yeah. That was the pattern that really got me excited about a community and about knitting and about being able to bring your own kind of personality into yeah. something, you know, and not just following. I mean, I was following a pattern because I still was a fairly novice knitter or getting back into it, but just the idea that you could really start to. A lot of us have you know, knitted from a young age or had come back to it from knitting from a young age. And then, but that online world of Ravelry and Nitty is like, that was incredible because that made you see that it was, wasn't, just a solitary thing or it was a solitary thing but there were all these other people connected oh yeah thing. I mean Toronto's a hot spot in Canada for the knitting world I mean there's so many great designers bloggers you know I mean it is the hot spot in, yeah. in well 
the Vancouverites will probably be saying, no, 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 it's not Toronto. Um, and same, same with the East Coast. But anyways, there's a lot of great knitting people who've come out of Toronto. And I didn't know about any of that until Ravelry. Yeah. <laughs> and then I moved. <laughs> and then I moved to the UK. But that's, that's fine because the UK is a hot spot of knitting as well. So, okay, so that was the first thing that yeah. really got you excited yeah. about knitting. What... Was the last, last thing, thing I, you cast off? Was my Busta Beanie again? My <laughs> Shetland wardrobe is coming together bit by bit. Loved it. I mean, that's such a fun pattern it's to do, a good pattern. and it's a great hat. And I knitted it out of JNS and um, uh, jumper weight, and I love it. Absolutely love it. And I picked two of the colors in the hat are are going to be in my sweater, in the Lurwick sweater. So it will nice. hopefully coordinate. And again, I don't want it to be freezing cold in Shetland, but it does. You know, it needs it to might, be cool enough yeah. that we can all wear it because we're all knitting Busta hat Busta beanies as well. So we're all going to be very colorful bunch in Lyric. They're going to see us coming. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to pop into the JNS store. Yeah. And they're just going to, they'll see us coming a mile away. But um, yeah, and they're going to think, oh God, like talk about color coordination. But we're all, we're all going to be crazy colors. Yeah. We're all going to have our different personalities reflected in our knitting, which is as it should be. As it should be. And what mm-hmm. were the colors that you chose? So I did a very kind of, I didn't go quite as dark brown with the as the Hebridean Daughter of a Shepherd. So I kind of did... Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not Felix Ford. I can't rally off the uh, color combinations. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it was a kind of a medium chocolatey brown, like a milk chocolate nice. brown. Uh, a, a turquoise. Actually, it's FC65. The turquoise I know because I've got a coin cone of that, which is going to be a major part of the sweater. And then a lighter shade of the turquoise, so kind of a bluey. Yeah. So that was really pretty. Very yeah. Nice. I love it. I love it. The fit is great. It feels like a really, and it would be a really good um, a hiking. Hike. I'm going to yeah. get a lot of, I, you know, I hike all the time and uh, especially in the Lake District where it can get quite windy and yeah, chilly. Top of those and things. yeah, and so that's going to be a great hat for that. It's also just a fantastic mm. um, pattern. Again, the person, as you said, the personalities of knitters. It's so great that they have a hats pattern mm-hmm. for Wool Week. It doesn't matter what the pattern is, but those colour choices, it's kind of like when we did the hat along. Like yeah. the, all those Hansels that were knit and there were not two that were alike. Exactly, exactly. Were just so Never much be. like. You know, everyone's personality and yeah. it's so wonderful. Yeah. So then, this is the tough question. Mm. Nobody can give me one answer to this. <laughs> but if there was one pattern and one yarn, which I'm guessing there's more than one yarn, <laughs> not necessarily used together, yeah. but, but which you would like to suggest to other people and sort of leave well, for other people. You can to use knit. them together. Okay, I'll okay. start with the yarn first. Okay, okay, so my Desert Island yarn, and there's a bit of a backstory to it. Um, so we're sitting right now, you know, on the edge of the Leeds-Liverpool Canal. Um, someday I want to walk home. I live in Liverpool, so one day I'm going to start at the beginning of Leeds and walk to Liverpool. But if you go down just about, ooh, I don't know, about 10 miles down the Leeds-Liverpool Canal, um, you will get to a little place called Shipley Saltaire, where my grandparents used to live. And you can't tell from my accent at all, but I am a Yorkshire lass. I was born in Yorkshire. <laughs> I left when I was nine months old for Canada, so hence I have a Canadian accent and not a Yorkshire one. But this place is really, really special to me. And Saltaire in particular, many people will know it. It's a World Heritage Site. Um, there's uh, Salts Mills, um, which is, again, another huge woolen mill. Um, Sir Titus Salt. Yes, you're going to guess what yarn I'm going to pick. <laughs> um, and I remember visiting my grandparents when I was a young kid, and I actually spent about six months in uh, Shipley Saltaire going to school and so forth, where I learned a profound uh, dislike of of school dinners in the UK and rice pudding in particular. Um, But I remember when that mill was empty. It was just, it was boarded up. It was broken windows. It was just this beautiful building just sitting abandoned, you know, for I don't know how many years. I think it closed down the early part of the 20th century and always walked by it because there's a gorgeous park near it and always thinking, oh, you know, this, what what a shame. And I remember coming to visit my grandfather, again, probably in my 20s, and he said, you've got to go down to the mill now because it's been completely restored. And it's got one of the most... Have you ever been there? 
Oh, I've someday you must go there. Will, if you come yeah. to Yarndale, just get off the train at Saltaire. It's oh, yeah. right at the train station, five minutes away. That's a fantastic idea. It has the most beautiful and I've seen many, many of them. It has the most beautiful bookshop in the world. Oh, and I know you're, you're a bookshop aficionado yes. as well. Because if you can picture this enormous mill, you know, big yeah. open spaces, huge windows, and that entire space is taken up by this bookshop. Every book is, is, is displayed flat out. Oh, my. They have an, a wonderful selection, real book lovers. It's one of the most beautiful things. Then you've got David Hockney's... Uh, uh, Workshop, uh, workshop art gallery he, he often exhibits a lot of his new stuff there because it was his friend uh, this millionaire who sadly died since who actually picked up the money to restore the whole thing got a wonderful cafe in there other little shops and bits and pieces it's dying for a wool shop if there's yeah. anyone out there listening who has the money please open up a wool shop in that place and then of course there's bits with the history of, of, of the woolen mill and How so wonderful. forth yeah and I love to think because um, so, so Chaitasat built his empire by introducing some alpaca into wool that was his mm-hmm. big thing got the alpaca it was shipped from Liverpool came up the Liverpool Leeds Canal so all of these strands I think of my life are kind of connected into this thing so of course my desert island and yarn is Titus <laughs> four ply from Baramu. Love it because it's a gorgeous yarn to work with. It has 30% alpaca in it. Um, what is else it has? Winsley Dale and BFL. some BFL. Mm-hmm. So it's a beautiful soft yarn. And I love the fact that they've named all the colors and really thought about the Yorkshire colors. They, they you know, there's, there's love. Oh, this Parkin is one of my favorite. That yeah. beautiful deep orange, you know, Heathcliff, you yeah, know, because we're such, not a million miles from Howarth. Yeah, it's just. such a yarn with a sense of grace. Absolutely, absolutely. And I remember, well, I've been here almost five years now and they're celebrating their fifth anniversary. So I remember that yarn came out i wish the original titus they've they've run out of the um the 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 fleece or whatever so they can't get that 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 color of that original undyed titus um i wish they'd bring that back but i i've I've talked to them (laughs) bug them about it every time and yeah and for some reason they can't get the can't get it yeah but um yeah and i so i love i love everything behind it i love the fact that it was just a local independent shop that kind of started this whole thing and now it's sold around the world you can get it right you know in toronto and i feel proud every time i see titus for applying i've had nothing to do with it i feel proud every time i see it in some place outside of yorkshire and i think they've just done wonderful things with it and it was was just sort of uh, the yarn that opened me up to kind of British independent wool yeah. and, and and companies and and, and yeah and uh, so I, I will always knit with it and I always um yeah just have such a, a soft spot and it, it will always remind me of Saltaire and my grandparents my grandfather in particular who I was very close to and just Saltaire is one of my favorite places in the oh. world and you, you have to you have to stop by there at yeah, some point definitely. yeah definitely yeah. fantastic anyone going to yarn gel just get off you know just yeah. get get a get a return and just pop into it's, it's only three pounds or something to, to Leeds and just oh pop out God. go it's right actually at the train station you, you, oh, five minutes away it's lovely yeah that. yeah that yeah. sounds fantastic it, it's such an incredible yarn because it's so soft it's so like for anyone the people who say that the british wool is harsh oh that no 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 yeah. no no you yeah. haven't tried this and no. the dovestone is very dovestone's similar. very similar yeah very the similar and, and the erin is beautiful too. yeah the yeah. colors that they have chosen are just fantastic yeah. it's got such drench and luster well the e-cup you know which is this kind of beautiful deep tealy dark on the darker yeah. side of tealy blue and i use that as a as an accent color in so yeah. many in, in stephen west shawls and, and all sorts of things with it's, the park yeah it is the, the perfect the thing to kind of just put a little a little dash in yeah. and they've got all these lovely little mini skeins now too so you can just yeah. buy like bits and pieces for great for pop. color work you know yeah. i think marie wallen's been working with them and yeah, yeah so the, it, it's a very versatile yarn yeah. um you can use it for all sorts of things and sweaters i mean i i have yet to knit an entire jumper in 
hepatitis four apply, but it's definitely on my list of things to do, and it probably will be in ECO. <laughs> and one of maybe Carol Feller's pattern. Yes. Yeah, so as a Yorkshire that, lass, it's got to be my, my yeah, yarn. Yeah, that's the yarn that you yeah. leave as a legacy. But what about the pattern? <laughs> no, so I'm going to cheat a little bit. <laughs> I can't just do one pattern. I'm going to do a book, if that's okay. Yeah. And it will be the book of haps, <laughs> which I've been slightly obsessed about since it came out last yes. year. I've, knit, I've knitted nine of them, started two more, and this is like nine different ones. My, my goal, I've set myself a challenge to every single one in the book because I think, again, for any kind of knitter, whether you're beginner, experienced, novice, whatever, you know what? You are going to learn something from this yeah. book. I, I have every single one, and I consider myself, you know, an intermediate knitter and a fairly, fairly you know, I've done a lot of different techniques and feel pretty comfortable with them. And honestly, the things I learned from doing these these, uh, these haps, not only are they beautiful, but God, the techniques are fantastic. Just and it's fantastic. just thinking about the construction of yeah. a shawl. I know a lot of them are not traditional haps, but honestly, they are the most fun things to knit yeah. because you just start one of them and you're just thinking, I don't know where this is going. Um, I mean, in, in a strange way, you know, it's probably the motor die, the, the Kate yeah. Davis one that's the most traditional. Yeah. Um, but everything else is just, you know, taken this idea and exploded yeah. and just and sometimes it's just very simple little things yeah. but oh my lord it's it's so much fun and honestly I've given this book to so many people for gifts because yeah. you know they may not like everyone but they're going to find one they like and they're going to find a technique they like exactly. and they're just going to have fun knitting with just, it and it's yeah. a beautiful thing to look at mm-hmm. you know it's a lovely book just to look oh new. absolutely the photography yeah. is is awesome yeah. and I think the fact that so many of the designers are, desi- are, are modeling their own work like Hazel mm-hmm. Tyndall She's a stunning lady anyway, but yeah. in her Hemgate hat, on her croft, mm-hmm. but she just, it just, Donna, it's just lovely. Donna and Smith, Donna as well on yeah, her and oh, and Lucy Haig, that, oh, that's one I'm, I've started, I haven't finished it yet, because we have to go very slowly with that, yeah. but I, I cannot wait till I finish Dancia, because I just, oh, I, you do remember when, when Kate was releasing sort of just a little, little, little tease, you know, and we were sort of waiting every day for the next yeah. half and thinking, right, it'll just be another, and I was like, oh my God. It's like every single one, every I single changed day you were to just, number yeah, one in my queue. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was like, that's what I'm going to do. Oh, no, yeah. no, 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 this one. No, no, yeah. this one. Yeah. This one. I'm terrified by um, Helen Magnuson's one because it's just so much knitting. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge hap in lace weight. And I may I may make slight changes and maybe do it in finger weight. But it's, yeah. again, a stunning, you know, I, 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 a Good Japanese show. kimono yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, and I just, so they're, they're so versatile. And they're just so interesting. They're I mean, so interesting. it just makes knitting Fun. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, and that's it's a what you want. You want when anyone comes and says, "Oh, I'd love to try knitting," mm-hmm. then you know that's the kind of book that you go. Well, if you're really serious about knitting, there's something for you in this yeah. book. It's all there's, and there's nothing something hard because no. the, you know the instructions are really good. The tutorials, laid out. yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that there's the backup of the yeah. tutorials—that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I always think I'll always love Kate's patterns for yeah. that. That there's a link or a you know or a blog post mm-hmm. like in fact I always go back to her steak sandwich mm-hmm. um, not that I've ever steaked a garment yet but yeah, I, I quite either. like I quite like practicing yeah and I always go back to her steak well I've steaked I've steaked the only time I've actually steaked was the, the shoulder bits you know for the oh, yes, uh, for hazels only, yeah. yeah I haven't gotten any further than that because that to me that's <laughs> the hardest hap to sort of think yeah. about what what yarns to knit it in that's or what so colors funny. yeah six- of course I started it in yarn that's now been discontinued and oh. I don't have the yarn enough of it to do the whole thing so I may have to stripe it or so that's where I, that's Ravelry, my stopping Ravelry point Ravelry I know stashes. I may have to go there I yeah. may have to go there because I wanted the minute I saw that I thought oh I want a little red riding hood cape because yes, it just that gorgeous. that was what, what struck me so I've done the the fair isle bit you know in sort of reds and uh, kind of a camel and a gray and that looks fine, but now it's just where do I pick up from that, and yeah. what colors do I use? And I, yeah, I, you know what? I may take it in. I may take that swatch. Yeah. 
into uh, into JNS and try and match it up it's with some colors. Idea. Yeah, that may be the last one that I end up knitting. Yeah. I've got, as I said, I've got a few more to do. But um, honestly, that's it's just such a fabulous book. That's such it. a fabulous book. And I don't want. And again, to... everyone's made it their own, haven't yes. they? You go onto the project pages on Ravelry and you just look at what people it's have done with those. Stunning. Yeah, it's fabulous. Absolutely yeah, stunning. I've so enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing I wanted to ask you about mm-hmm. before before um, we finish up is that you have a pattern on Ravelry. Oh now. god. <laughs> Well, I blame Carrie Westerman. (laughs) Carrie, if you're listening, I blame you. So I went to Jolie's retreat in Manchester in February, and I took her workshop, and we had to do some homework. (laughs) And I kind of took her workshop. It was about um, how to publish in magazines, and I wasn't actually particularly interested in becoming a designer or publishing, but I have a publishing background, although it's not um, magazines, and I was actually just interested in the process. I thought, you know be kind of interesting just to hear her talk about you know what goes into magazine submissions and stuff because it's so different from book publishing which is my background so I just thought yeah it'd be a really interesting thing and um you know Carrie does great great workshops and I thought right so we'll sign up for this and about a week before that it was like email from her you've got homework I'm like oh no (laughs) I didn't sign up for homework (laughs) so we had to do a pitch basically she gave us a theme which was a romantic beachcomber And we had to kind of uh, do a swatch and pitch pitch an idea. Yeah. Anyways, and I thought, oh, all right, okay, so I can do a swatch and whatever. And we didn't have to do a pattern or anything like that. Anyways, so, it, you know, it, in the end we did it. And it was a really good workshop. And there were some really, really fun people in it. And I really learned a lot. And I got some very good feedback on the pitch, um, you know, which I'd been in marketing before and so forth. So um, I, I kind of put a lot of effort into that and not so much into my swatch. Anyways, and then <laughs> she suggested there's a there's a Ravelry board for designers and she suggested, oh, have a look there and, you know, various people put in calls for submissions and all this sort of stuff. So Love Knitting put in a call for submission on a coastal theme. <laughs> so I had my swatch from so I just turned Romantic Beachcomber into Coastal, to, you know, tweaked it a little bit and just sent it off. And I thought, you know, this will just be a good exercise to finish yeah. the workshop. And to my shock, it was accepted. And then, Louise, it was one thing to do a swatch. Then all of a sudden I had, you know, a few weeks. Now you got to write a pattern. Yeah. Oh, and you got to knit it. Um, oh, and by the way, lace weight. Lace weight. <laughs> For a long, long cowl in lace weight. <laughs> yeah, I've learned a lot. Big, big learning curve. Um, yeah, and then it just, but you know what? I had uh, the most fun I had with it. Once I'd figured out Excel <laughs> for yeah. trying to do a lace chart, even though it was a very simple lace chart, um, just trying to figure out Excel and how to do all these little bits and pieces. Um, I actually had quite a lot of fun, not necessarily writing the pattern, but designing the pattern. Like yeah. the layout of it was quite fun. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a great learning curve, and um, so it's called the Seventh Wave Cowl. It's out on Ravelry. It's a free pattern. Um, it's in lace weight, but you don't have to make it in lace weight. I would suggest making in DK or fingering weight because it's a lot of knitting in lace weight. But you know, by all means, do lace weight. <laughs> It'll be nice. It's a summer cowl, so you know, lace yeah. weight will be nice and uh, and airy and so forth. And um, yeah, have fun with it. <laughs> Are you gonna do more? I don't know. I, you know what? I did get a bit of the bug, um, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, not quitting the day job anytime no. soon. That's for sure. But you know. Who knows? Who you knows? Never, never know. say never. I did. Space? I did really enjoy it. Once I figured it, figured out the logistics of it, and I knew I could do it, then I kind of had fun doing it. Yeah. But I, I, I and I have the enormous, most enormous respect now for um, 
designers who are doing really, really exquisite patterns because I now know just, I mean, you know, I had two lines of lace. I mean, I don't know how Carrie does her, you know, exquisite shawls <laughs> with, you know, yeah. <laughs> with you know, five charts and, and so forth. And I'm just, I'm in awe of how her brain works. I'm in awe of how she got it done just logistically. And uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, for those out there who ever, ever balk at paying for a pattern, honestly, the amount of work that goes into it. I mean, you know, five pounds for a pattern that has taken months to, yeah. n- you know, to knit, to figure out, to work on the computer and so forth. You're getting a bargain. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. 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 So it's, yeah, it's amazing. And I, I, I love the explosion of, of independent designers. Um, before I moved to the UK, really, my whole concept of kind of designers was the big you know, it was Rowan. It yeah, was Rowan. Rowan. That's that's what I thought about when I thought about British knitting, and um, and then having gone to all these amazing shows and met so many people and just you know and again through bloggers and podcasts and Ravelry and so forth, just getting to know the UK community. Oh my God, there's so many talented designers here. So, so yeah. many, you know. Um, so, it's fantastic. Everyone, fantastic. Everyone, and it's the, it's that kind of modest initially thing where mm-hmm. a lot of them hide their light under a bushel, yeah. hide that talent, whereas it's just it's just wonderful there's yeah. just so much so many talented people it's a really lovely thing there's just too many things to knit I, know. I have the yarn no no problem with that I have the stash I just need the time well enjoy your trip to Shetland oh I will I and will US, I'm very excited I'm going to you yeah, yeah so I'm well. going to the Hebrides yeah I'm going to be hiking that's a hiking holiday yeah and I can't wait but I am going to three knitters and we've got a long train trip, you know, seven and a half hours yeah. from Liverpool to Inverness. And then we've got ferry rides and um, yeah. train trip back. And so, yeah, we will definitely, what you definitely. achieve in that time. Yes, yeah. we'll definitely be knitting and knitting in that landscape with some U.S. wool. Definitely bringing some U.S. wool for that. Space. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, can't well, wait, can't wait. Thank you so, so much oh, for sponsoring the podcast. My pleasure. You've given me so many hours of instruction. I mean, I've learned so much about the British oh. knitting community from your podcast. And uh, I'm happy, happy to do it. Oh, that's, it's just lovely. I'm I know lots of you listeners know Maylin or Blythe Spirit as she is on Ravelry or Blythe Spirit 4 as she is on Instagram. I know that you, many of you know her um, from a, as a Knit British family member of, of the old days, before the podcast days. And I know you'll have enjoyed that chat because... Um, she quite often comments on the on the blog and comments on and you know in the Ravelry group and takes part in our cals and things. But it's just lovely to be able to talk to Maylin and and other woolly muckers who who are supporting the podcast in the same way. And it's just really nice to be able to delve into our little community and and talk to some of the people that, whose names you see quite regularly. As we mentioned there. Maylin's got a pattern and it's on Ravelry and if you're on Ravelry you can find it easily um, the details were in the chat there or if you're on knitbritish.net just now there's a little picture at the right hand side of the screen that says Maylin is our woolly mucker and if you click that it should take you to the Ravelry page for that pattern um, so let's watch the space to see what else Maylin might come up with design wise, I can't wait thank you so much again Maylin for sp- supporting Knit British and for your enthusiasm on all things British wool. Next month we'll have another woolly mucker and you'll get to meet Susan Hobkirk.
met Sue Horn at the Scottish Smallholders Festival last year. And she told me that she had taken the decision to have the fleece from her own flocks at Hawkshaw Farm in the Borders spun into yarn. And of course, I was very interested and keen to hear about the the progress of that particular journey. And just before Edinburgh Yarn Festival, she got in touch to say that the wool had been spun and she has quite a lot, quite a diverse little flock. She's got Shetlands and Hebrideans and Alpacas and Wensleydale and um, there's a lovely mixture there. Uh, and she let me know that the yarn had been spun in various blends and weights and would I like to review some? So, of course... For you, lovely listeners, I jumped the chance to do that. And I met Sue again at Edinburgh Yarn Festival where she was wearing an incredible tweed hood that was made in cloth that her sheep had produced. Well, you know, in a roundabout sort of way. And not that they were weaving the <laughs> weaving the wool themselves, although that would be quite funny. And she had this bag full of incredible skeins of yarn. And let me tell you a little bit about what she's had spun up. So she's had a light grey Shetland worsted lace weight created. And Shetland double knit and iron weights of all natural colours, I should say. Hebridean and Shetland blends and a Shetland Wensleydale and alpaca blend. And... These were all lovely, but uh, it was the Aaron Shetland that really, really jumped out at me. The skein was so thick and bouncy and just this gorgeous milk chocolate, sort of 30% cocoa solids, <laughs> brown, gorgeous natural shade uh, and a big squashy hank. And I thought, I'll give that a go, please and thank you. I should say that the website... Uh, uh, that you will need to look at soon is www.hawkshaw-sheep-yarn.co.uk There is not a lot in the shop at the moment because Sue is launching her yarn range at Woolfest, which is the 23rd and the 24th of this month. And she's also going to be bringing um, two of our Shetland sheep Conkers and Bonkers, and two um, Hebrideans as well. Um, but yeah, this this is obviously a new venture for Sue. They, her and her husband um, have, I'm not quite sure how long they've had the craft for, but, you know, it's not a new venture. They've been doing it for a wee while. And Sue had said she just thought that there was something that could be done with all this fleece that meant bypassing this, the wool marketing board and doing something fantastic with the fleece of our own flock. And I think that's that's wonderful because, as I said last time, it's, you know, more people are beginning to look at their flocks and in terms of their fleece um, and the value that, you know, we put as crafters on that. Um, so I think it's wonderful that... Oh, this knocking from upstairs is really bugging me. I'm sorry, I hope it's not translating. As I said, I, I took the Aaron Shetland. And I would say, actually, it's quite a heavy... A heavy weight Aaron, um, definitely on the heavier side. It's about eight wraps per inch. And I reckon if you had a pattern that you needed to knit to bulky 
this yarn with the right needles you could definitely probably do that because as I say it's a definitely a plumpy plumpy Aran. There are four plies in that strand so it is definitely a nice plumpy ply. The hand squish grab well. The ball is really bouncy. It's really, really springy Shetland. And the thing I love about Shetland is, okay, because it's in my blood, obviously. But, uh, um, you know, this is, Shetland is a really good example of how we can't expect breed wool to be homogenous across all sheep of that breed. Um, we can't expect it to, Shetland wool to be spun all the same way and for it to be exactly the same kind of yarn whether it's lace weight, two ply, four ply, double knit, bulky iron, whatever it's different every time and although it retains certain properties of the fleece Aaron is a lovely example of how different it can be. Think of your Shetland jumper weight and think of how it's... um got a slightly crisp handle it's got that stickiness that we need for for color work and things like that and think of how when it washes and it blocks and it's got incredible blocking ability and it's got incredible softness as it gets older and older and more and more worn think of um let's say blackers double knit shetland wool which is quite a velvety feel i mean it's quite quite a different feel altogether. Think of how a single ply in Shetland wool in lace weight can be so different from that jumper weight and so different from that blacker double knit yarn. This is what I'm just trying to, to sort of get you thinking about the fact that no breed wool is homogenous in fleece or in how it's spun. Think of the halo on the jumper weight and think of if you've seen the blacker uh, double knit Shetland how that isn't quite as pronounced as it is on the jumper weight or perhaps on the lace weight. This is what I'm driving at here how these things are the same but totally different. And this... I feel is different totally again, this uh, this lovely heavy Aran from Hawkshaw. When I feel, unlock, excuse my squeaking chair, along the ply, those four plies made into one round ply. It's got a lovely elasticity. It's got a great softness. That velvetiness is there, that velvety Shetland. It's lovely. And when I look along the ply... I can see the halo as well, but the colour is immense. Now, I'm not sure if this is a mixture of dark coloured fleeces or if it's a mixture of dark and lighter coloured fleeces, but what we've got here is definitely galaxy caramel type shade. It's not as fudgy as a true murit would be, I would say. Um, but again, that could be down to the blend or the, just the, the natural shade. And in some ways, I didn't want to just cast on swatch in this. I wanted to, to, to try it out in something else. And so what I did was I cast on a pair of slipper socks. And the pattern is South Marysborough Slippers by Sam Lamb. It's a free pattern on Ravelry. It really is just a little simple pair of, of slippers. Just you basically start by knitting 
the heel flap, then you turn the heel and then you pick up and knit the body of uh, the the slipper it's worked back and forth until you cast on some stitches for sort of the top of your foot and then you continue along the body um, knitted up I'm using 4.5 millimeter needles knitted up this fabric has got a wonderful elasticity the Shetland wool on the bamboo high high needles was just glorious. It really knitted up quickly. And I mean, this is a heavyweight yarn, so it does knit up fast, but I just felt the yarn was flying around the needles. Gauge, although it's not blocked yet, but the gauge is about 16 stitches to 24 rows for 10 centimetres. And that's in the round. I'm always a little bit tighter in the round. So that's my gauge. Your gauge might be a bit different. I've really loved how this is knitted up and I love how just in stockinette and you can just see the little variations of colour in the yarn, um, the little just lighter flecks and darker flecks. It's just such a lovely, satisfying milk chocolatey colour. It's, it's, it's really nice. So yes, so I haven't quite finished the first one yet. Uh, hopefully I'll finish it by the time podcast goes out and I can take pictures to show you. What I have to do now is once I've kitchenered the toe, I'm going to pick up around the opening of the slipper and do a little seed stitch. But I, I just love how this yarn looks. It's As I say, it's got really great elasticity. It's Shetland. It's one of our... North Atlantic primitive breeds. This is the kind of wool, as I always say, um, that really is going to to last well. It's so warm. It's so insulating. It's going to make really, really warm accessories and clothing. I think a jumper in this would be lovely. Something like Tin Can Knits Flax, like an everyday awesome warm sweater, a little bit of garter for the Shetland um, which I love. I, I'm quite surprised I haven't done any garter in this. I might do my top of my slipper socks in garter just just to see. Because, um, you know, you know me, I love garter in Shetland particularly. But it's really, really lovely. And I'm just really proud of what Sue's doing. And, you know, to take that plunge. And, and she's a bit of a crafter herself. She's, you know, knows people have a love for British breed wool. And, you know, she's gone, right, well, this is what I can do. Take, take take a big step, go to the nat- natural fibre company and have this wool spun into varying blends and working with the expertise of the natural fibre company to come up with those. And you really are going to like what Sue's got on offer. So if you're going to Woolfest, um, you'll be able to see her there with Conquer and Bonkers and her Hebrideans. And you'll be able to see the tweed and some of the items that Sue's had made up in the tweed. And you'll be able to see all this fantastic yarn. And then after Woolfest, the Hawkshaw Sheep Yarn website will be updated. This Shetland iron is lovely. It's going to be available in a double knit too. Um, I'm not quite sure because I can't find the label. I can't quite remember how much there is in 100 grams but it's going to be standard and I'm going to definitely get I'm going to get a whole pair of slippers out of this yarn for sure it costs £18 and really you know soft squishy wool for those of you who need their wools to be on the softer side this is the kind of yarn that's going to last and last and make 
garments and accessories to be cherished forever. Um, thank you so much, Sue, for letting me have a play of this. And I will come back with pictures and a little bit of an update of a wear test. Maybe I'll do that next time uh, if I get them finished. Because I want to tell you how, how they wear. Because, of course, being on the feet... Um, not that these will be boot socks or anything like that. They are just going to be, you know, slipping on and wearing around the house kind of thing. But I obviously want to tell you how it washes and blocks and give you an idea of that gauge again and things like that. But um, if you're going to Woolfest, do look out for Sue and do bookmark hawkshaw-sheep-yarn.co.uk. If you entered the giveaway for Claire Devine's From Dorset with Love pattern collection, I drew the winners from that via random.org the other day and um, I earburned the winners in that particular thread on Ravelry. So well done to you. Claire is actually on holiday at the moment, so um, there may be a slight delay in getting your patterns to you, but you will get them shortly. There's still time to enter the competition for the tickets for Palm Fest, which is on the 14th and 15th of July. I'll be closing that thread next Friday. So do get on over to the Ravelry group and enter the thread for that if you can make it to London uh, for Palm Fest. How awesome is that? Thank you to Pom Pom Magazine for that. Before we go, let's say hello to some of the new kids in the Ravelry group. Hello to Medifrosh from Germany. Hi to you. Hello to Guzzy Sue from Nottingham. Hello to Celine Loop from France. Hello to Fifmira, who is Liga from Riga. Hello to Hestnitz, who is Cindy from New Hampshire. Hi, Cindy. And hello to Monkey Shine Tricks from the UK. Also, quick hellos to Knitmaths78, Unicorn, Fagerlandit and Kazian, who all stopped by the hello thread in the Knit British Ravelry group too. Thanks so much for joining the community there and for dropping in to say hello. Next time, adjust your sets slightly because the next episode will be back around Tuesday the 21st of... June. This is because I'm going to be on holiday later that week and don't want to be fighting with 3G to upload a podcast. Next week, next time on the show, we'll be talking to Zoe Armstrong, who is the Queen of Pearls. And it's a little over three years since she opened her Glasgow shop and she just gives us a bit of a tour of, of her yarny goodies. I also have a review for you from Northern Yarn and that was fun to do. I got some of the woolly muckers lured into that one and they agreed to a blind swatch test. So come back. Uh, next time to see how it tested. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, take good care. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Knit British podcast. To find out more, visit www.knitbritish.net. You can email me louise at knitbritish.net. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at knit underscore British and I'm on Ravelry as Lira. You're a big singing star now, remember? This California dude is just a little heavier than usual tonight. Really? From where I stand, the sun is shining all over the place.